Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Kristen. Yeah, Jolenta. You sound a little stressed out there. I am, frankly, a little stressed out because we did not pick the books we're living by this season. The listeners picked them out. Mm, very, very true. That is a little nerve-wracking. But you know what? It's not all bad. And why is that? Because the first book they picked for us to live by is all about how to deal with stress. Oh, of course it is. And you know what? I'm ready to live by that because I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And this is By the Book. In each episode of Buy the Book, we choose a different self-help book to live by, follow it to the letter, and weigh in on whether or not it actually changed our lives. And for this, 
our ninth season, lucky number nine, we are living exclusively by self-help guides that you, our beloved, cherished listeners, selected for us to live by. And we're kicking things off with the number one most requested book that we have yet to live by until today. And that's Burnout. The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. Amelia Nagoski is a choral conductor. While earning her doctorate in music, she also worked two part-time jobs, raised three teenagers, and commuted over 65 miles per day. Overwhelmed but in denial about it, her body broke down and landed her in the hospital not once but twice with what the doctors diagnosed as inflammation due to extreme stress. Amelia's identical twin sister, Emily, who has a PhD in public health, approached her sister's predicament the best way she knew how, with love and peer-reviewed science. Among the facts that she presented to Amelia, she wasn't alone. Many American women, and particularly mothers, emotionally exhaust themselves trying to close the gap between what's expected of them and what it's really like to be a woman in today's world. And then, rather than allow their exhaustion to play out in a complete and healthy stress cycle, they hold it in and perpetuate the unmeetable expectations that triggered their stress in the first place. In Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle, the Nagoski sisters give readers a vocabulary for what they're feeling. Human giver syndrome. It's the societal expectation placed on women to be pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others in an ongoing and never-ending way. Even as the world presents very real obstacles that make such expectations impossible to meet. Then, drawing on stories inspired by real women, they explain how human giver syndrome affects the mind and body. Finally, with prescriptive advice and exercises, they offer ways to fully process the stress we're experiencing and fight back against the bigger causes of it. Published in 2019, Burnout became an instant New York Times bestseller, led to international media attention for the Nagoski sisters, and has since been named to multiple best-of lists. Here's how you do it. Step one, complete the stress cycle. Dealing with your stress is a separate process from dealing with the things that cause your stress. To deal with your stress, you have to complete the cycle, aka get rid of the stress in your body, even when you can't get rid of the stressors in your life. To do this, try moving your body for 20 to 60 minutes a day. Hug a loved one for a solid 20 seconds. Have positive social interactions that remind you the world is a safe place. Laugh, cry, cry or partake in a creative activity. Step two, persist. Frustration happens when our progress towards a goal feels more effortful than we expected it to be. When this happens, find ways through it instead of getting stuck in it. Redefine winning and focus on small incremental goals so it's easier to keep plugging along. Step three, focus on meaning. Meaning enhances well-being when you're doing well and it can save your life when you're struggling. To reconnect with your sense of meaning, try writing your own obituary where you showcase your values, and ask your closest friends to describe the characteristics of your personality and your life that are at the core of your best self. Step four, acknowledge that the game is rigged. Women and girls, especially women and girls of color, are systematically excluded from government and other systems of power. It's called patriarchy. The patriarchy says it doesn't exist, and if we struggle, we're the ones to blame because we're not good enough. The solution? Smash that patriarchy. 
make attainable goals for yourself to make the world better. Your goals should be soon, certain, positive, concrete, specific, and personal. Something like buy all my friends' birthday presents from women-owned stores. Step five, battle the bikini industrial complex. The bikini industrial complex is a $100 billion industry that tries to convince us that our bodies are the enemy when in reality, the bikini industrial complex itself is the enemy. Accept that it's normal, nearly universal to want to accept your body as it is, and at the same time, want to change it to conform to culturally constructed ideals. Move your body because it's good for you and helps you complete the stress cycle, not to get skinny, And imagine that your body is the body of someone who needs your care, like an infant. Step six, connect. Sadness, rage, and the feeling that you are not enough are forms of loneliness. When you experience these emotions, connect. You can connect with one person, a group of friends, coworkers, your spouse, your church family, even your dog. Step seven, rest. On average, we need to spend 42% of our time, that's 10 hours a day, on rest. That rest should include sleep, food, physical activity, and connection. If you're not meeting that number, track how you currently use your time, then create a new schedule imagining the ways you might hypothetically get more rest. Step eight, grow mighty. We each have a mad woman in our psychological attic. She's panicked and critical, not because she's a bad person, but because she's trapped in the cycle of human giver syndrome. Personify her. Name her. Get to know her. Draw or write about her. Then work on being compassionate and understanding her instead of reactive because of her. And practice gratitude by remembering the people who've helped you and the times when things have gone your way. That's what the book says. And so that's what we did for two weeks straight. All righty, Jolenta, let's get this burnout episode underway. I want to know how you started living by burnout. Tell us about it, Jolenta. Well, Kristen, I wanted to ease in because, you know, it's our first book of the season. So I started with step six because that seemed nice and light. Ah, yes. Step six, that is connect. Mm -hmm. And uh, my current living situation really promotes connection, too. (laughs) What do you mean? Uh, I mean, my mom was living with Brad and I during the whole two weeks we lived by this book. So I had a lot of people to connect with. God. Oh, God. I mean, I love your mom. Sorry. Sorry, Suzanne, if you're listening. I didn't mean to groan. Sorry. No, no, no. (laughs) It's okay. She's still here. (laughs) Um, My mother is in the process of moving to New York. And uh, while she waits for her things to arrive, she has been crashing at my house. So I sat down with my mom and Brad on the first night of our first week living by this And said, hey, guys, let's just talk. And Kristen, they did not think I was serious. Listen. What's funny is is that the book I'm living by says we should just talk. And so I keep saying, let's just talk. And you keep thinking I'm joking. Oh, I keep thinking you're trying to push me out. But I'm not, like, being insincere. Oh, I thought you're being—you say it kind of sarcastically when you do say it. Do I, Brad? Yes. Thank you, Bradley. Yeah, you, like, laughed after you said Well, that. let's just talk. See? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Seriously. Damn yeah. it. You're right. Yeah. You're like, let's talk. Does that make you happy? You're right. I said it like a bitch. <laughs> 
Oh, my God. Jolenta, mm-hmm. you don't have to come off as snarky when you're asking for connection. You don't have to be making fun of yourself while doing it. It's okay to just do it, you know? Well, Kristen, you weren't there telling me these things in the moment. So I was <laughs> struggling, you know? So I kept thinking about this. And the next day, it got, like, even darker in my head because I had physical therapy early that morning. And um, guess what? I'm in physical therapy now, Kristen. Um, I go basically all the time because I have to rebuild a bunch of muscles that lupus destroyed so I can like hold my own spine up correctly again. Um, And the session I had just kicked my ass and I was walking around feeling both like emotionally inept because I couldn't talk to my own family and physically inept because like I can't even hold a plank for 10 seconds But the book says when you're spiraling like this and the sort of self-loathing, like I'm not enough thing is happening in your head, that means you're lonely and you should try to connect. So I tried again while I was on a walk with Brad. And this time I really focused on being as vulnerable as possible. Everything is wrong with me. (laughs) Like I used to be so strong and now I'm not. And now it's like a part-time job just going to, like, build back muscles. And, like, I feel like everything's going wrong. And I must have connected better this time because he did not think I was kidding. And his response was not only totally sweet, but it also helped to get me start thinking about step number five, battling the bikini industrial complex. I think you're better than a year ago. Yeah? And that's actually not something I've been able to say all the time. No, you have never said that before. (laughs) Because often it's like you're better, like we've at least diagnosed you and so you're on the right drugs, but like you're not better. Your body's still getting like more disabled. Yeah. But I feel like compared to a year ago, finally you're like more mobile in less pain and discomfort, mm. and you got a more like healthy headspace. So, oh, well, that's I good to hear. These are good. I think I'm really impressed. That's um very nice to hear. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that must be really nice. Brad is acknowledging you, the evolution of your body, the things you've gone through. But how does that actually help you battle the bikini industrial complex? Very good question, Kristen. Because basically, Brad was embracing the mess, like the book says to do. You know, he saw my body as a symbol of progress. And he wasn't holding me to like yoga bod standards or even pre-lupus standards. And so for step five, battling the bikini industrial complex, I tried to adopt his mindset. And whenever I started sort of beating myself up for not being as fit as I used to be or strong, I tried to embrace the mess and ask myself, am I better than I was a year ago? And usually the answer is yes, like Brad said. So he helped spark that whole thought process. Nice. Nice. Well done, Brad. And Jolenta, well done, you too. Why, thank you. Thank you. And what did you do after that? So after that, I figured since I've been a little cynical, maybe a little defensive as of late, 
perhaps it would be time to get to know the uh, metaphorical madwoman in my attic. <laughs> Uh, because according to the book, she is actually the voice in my head giving me shit. Ah, uh, yes. This would be step eight. Grow mighty. Mm-hmm. And this came about pretty naturally later in the week. Uh, I was watching a Bravo reality show about young people partying in Vermont, all living in one house. And I was talking about how one character in particular was very intense and her life was sort of all over the place. And Brad said, you don't need to tell me about her. I'm married to her. <gasps> mm-hmm, meaning I'm very similar to her. And uh, she's, a, she's a somewhat reviled character in the, in the Bravo universe. But I also totally identify with her, especially in my darker moments. So I decided to name my madwoman in the attic after her. Uh, her name is Lindsay. Apologies in advance to all the Lindsays listening. I do love the name Lindsay. I know many a wonderful Lindsay. I love my madwoman in the attic, Lindsay's namesake, Lindsay. But, like, I'm going with Lindsay for this. And right. my Lindsay is magnetic, but she's also over-the-top dramatic. She's a little stunted. She's desperate for approval. And she's barely holding it together while also being quite judgy and really good at lashing out, you know. <laughs> that does sound messy. Yes. Right? Yes. And, like, ultimately, <laughs> yeah. I love Lindsay because deep down she's just, like, a misunderstood, insecure person who, like, wants love and wants to live up to the world's, like, insane, unfair expectations. So mm. from then on, I vowed uh, to try to talk to Lindsay when I started hearing those like critical spirally thoughts in my head and remember that she comes from a place of insecurity, not reality, even though she's mm. inspired by reality TV. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say that. Reality TV <laughs> Bringing the reality. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> so after personifying the judgmental voice in my head, I felt there was kind of a void, you know? Like if cynicism and deflection weren't my sort of go-to modes right then, like what was I? Uh, so I turned to step three to try and answer this question. Ah, uh, yes. Step three is meaning. Mm -hmm. And the book recommends asking someone who knows you well to help list characteristics that are at the core of your best self. And since I had my mother at my disposal, I was like, I have to use her. She's the person who knows me like best in the world from day one. So I asked her what she thought. What are characteristics of mine that you think are at the core of my best self? What are good characteristics that I have? You're, you can be very empathetic, you know, yeah. kind, empathetic, extremely um, artistic, creative, intellectual. Mm. Mm, that's not pretty good. I'd be happy with just that. And dramatic. Dramatic. <laughs> How could you say that? <laughs> that's good. I like that. I think that's plenty to work with. How could you say that? There you have it. I had to I had to bring the drama to the moment. If someone's going to call me dramatic, like you have to have that reaction. Comic 
gold, Jolenta. I Thank was you. laughing over here. <laughs> good, good. And I, I felt like I was sort of getting somewhere with this step. Granted, this step, like, I chose the part of the step that's like, just pat yourself on the back. But I was feeling a little less meandering and abstract and and way less down on myself because, like, people who love me and are around me don't see me as, like, a sick, angry always lashing out person, you know, a little dramatic. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not a monster. They still see me as someone who like has thoughts and creativity. And this list left me feeling excited to move forward into week two. Oh, I'm so glad, Jolenta. I would hate if you were going into week two thinking you were a monster. Because you're not. Your mom is right. You are not a monster. Just a dramatic, creative person. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But Kristen, enough about my drama. I want to hear about your first week of living by burnout. I'm I'm very curious to see how how you took this on. Well, I got to be honest with you, Jolenta. Not to sound smug or anything, but I did not think I needed this book. Yes, I do juggle a lot. I host five podcasts. I make several appearances a week on TV and on other podcasts. I give interviews to journalists. I guest lecture. I'm a friend and a wife and a community member. But the book says right up front that it's mostly for moms and even refers to the, quote, typical American woman as being a woman who, quote, has a full-time job, a spouse, and two young kids. That's not me. Yeah. So... I didn't think I needed this book, but then I got invited to present at my first in-person conference in over a year and a half, and I decided to bring Dean with me because, you know, why not? It was at a swanky resort in sunny Arizona, and it all seemed like it was going to be fun and fabulous until the night before the trip when the stress I'd been in denial about reared its ugly head in the form of diarrhea, which, full disclosure, stayed with me off and on for the whole trip. Oh, travel diarrhea, you curse, and sister (laughs) of travel constipation. I hate, I hate travel diarrhea. It's the worst. Oh, I thought so too. That is, until we got to the airport, and we were told that uh, we were not going to be allowed to sit together. They seated us far apart on the plane, like 20 rows apart. Mm. And, uh... On top of that, we were not necessarily sitting next to the best people. Here, Dean and I are, after we landed, debriefing on our respective seatmates and experiences. Oh, and they were so loud. Uh, they barely had their masks on. They had, like, it was like over their like mouth, but not their nose. But I had a woman in front of me who kept her mask off the entire time. Oh. Every time she ate, she kept her mask off. She wasn't like sticking her pretzels under her mask. She wasn't like sipping her coffee and putting her mask back That's on. That's a federal offense. Every time Why didn't she... the air marshal zip tie her to the chair? I don't know. The woman next to me yelled at her, but then she yelled back. And did you not see that yelling? No. It was very stressful. Ay, ay, ay. I am getting stressed just listening to that. And I know you guys are double vaxxed and you are always wearing masks indoors. But still, that just sounds nerve wracking. Like travel on top of these like very intense, fraught interactions. Like, yeah. Ay. Yeah. It was super stressful. But I tried to keep my spirits up. And while I was at it, I also tried to enlist some step two. And step two is persist. 
Yes. And part of this step is to focus on small incremental goals. So I came up with four. Get a car, get to the hotel, check into our room, and go to sleep. And with the exception of the hotel staff not wearing masks, none of them were masked, everything else went as planned. That is until I woke up the next morning like this. You don't sound so good, honey. I don't feel so good. I feel like, I don't know if I'm getting sick or if it's allergies or I don't know what's going on. It sounds like allergies. Just the way you're coughing, the way you're sniffling sounds like your allergies, not a cold. Did you Um, notice our next door neighbor had a dog? Like the person in the next room over has a dog? Yeah, and they were across the road, but yeah, the cute little puppy, the little black and brown one. You don't think they let pets in this room too, did you? They would they would post somewhere if the whole if hotel was pet, pet friendly, friendly right? right? Yeah, of course they would. So, fun fact, Jolenta, when we called the front desk, we found out that there were exactly zero pet-free rooms in the entire hotel. Yes, wow. there had been pets in our room at one point or another. And the only assistance they offered was directions to the gift store where they sold antihistamines. Wow, interesting. No, like, fan or Febreze or, like, a a baby air purifier, like, to just sort of give the illusion that they care? Nope, none of that. But, But I will say this, the weather was beautiful in Arizona, so I figured, why not just spend as much time outside as possible and enlist some step six while I was at it? And step six is connect. Yes. And by connect, I mean mingle with the other people who were there for the conference. It was a women's podcasting conference that I'd keynoted at in the past. And all the people there were so amazing. There were new people to meet. There were people I'd, you know, met before. There were people I'd collaborated with on other projects. So I was having a great time. I was mingling. I was doing all... You are are a conference beast. Like, (laughs) you shine in a way I didn't know people could shine at conferences when you are at conferences. So I'm imagining it, and it's beautiful. You are like a beacon of light. You are like a beacon of light amongst all the podcasters. Well, thank you. But it wasn't just the podcasters I was talking to because I also tried to sneak in a little bit of step eight. And step eight is grow mighty. Yes, exactly. And one suggestion in step eight is to practice gratitude by remembering all the people who've helped us along the way. So I walked around the conference and didn't just talk with the other attendees. I thanked every single one of the organizers I could. I thanked the stagehands. I thanked the tech team members one by one for all their hard work. Oh, Kristen, as someone who has worked backstage, many a production, let me tell you, no one ever thanks the tech team. That would have totally made my day if I were working, working crew. Um, Thank you for doing that, Kristen. I am sure they appreciated it. And it filled my heart with joy. Mm. Being thankful is fun. I enjoy it personally. Um, It's incredible. What did you do next? Well, after that, I went to bed because even though networking is super fun, you know, connecting at a conference is still work. And I was very, very, very tired. Oh, you do not have to justify being tired to me. Networking is exhausting. After like two minutes in a conference, I'm like in a ball on the floor in a corner somewhere asleep, like sucking my thumb. So (laughs) I commend you. Thank you. But the next day, 
I jumped right back into work mode after all my morning Zoom meetings. We all have so many of those nowadays, including me. Of course. I looked over the slides for my talk, which was just two days away at this point, and I realized something was missing. I just wasn't sure what. So Mm -hmm. I did a dry run with Dean, and uh, he gave me this feedback. Awesome. I think it's great. Like, I think, I think there, there's a lot of solid information. It's got a lot of data. It's got a lot of, you know, like, it's in there. And there's definitely a good arc, which lands you in a good place. But I just feel like it's lacking a little bit of the personal Kristen Meinzer touch and story like your old ones. I see. You're missing the spark. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Dean was right. I was out of practice, and there wasn't enough me in the talk. But I figured that if I did an exercise from step three, it might help me turn things around. Okay, so step three is meaning. What did you do? Yes. For this, one thing the book suggests is writing your own obituary where you focus on what matters most to you and how that's played out in your life. So, you know, I jotted down some things about the work I've done, specifically work I've done to try and help marginalized people to, you know, uh, fight inequalities, to chip away at inequalities and so on. All the work I've tried to do to destigmatize everything from eating disorders to screwing up at work and all of that stuff. And uh, after that, I ended my week by taking all that energy from writing my obituary and rewriting my entire talk. Ooh, interesting. I like that. One exercise right into the other to, like, make it flow. Ooh, that's so creative. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I cannot wait to hear how the talk went, but first— Uh, We have a question for all of you out there listening. Have you lived by burnout? Have you read it? Did it work for you? Share your stories with us at facebook.com slash groups slash btbpod. It's always active, always fun. Or you can email us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com. Or, of course, if you want to hear your voice on a mini episode, leave us a voicemail at 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my word. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. 
Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. All righty, Jolenta, we are back and it is time to discuss our second weeks of living by burnout by the Nagoski sisters. Jolenta, mm-hmm. how did you start your second week? Well, with the description of myself that my mom gave me fresh in my head, you know, creative, kind of smart, kind of empathetic, kind of dramatic. I had all that floating around and I felt sort of like ready to tackle step one finally. Nice. And step one is completing the stress cycle. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much have this built into my life because of physical therapy. I spend about an hour and a half doing physical therapy three days a week. And I'm also supposed to be doing uh, homework exercises at home every day, too. So I started my second week by heading to physical therapy with that list my mom gave me in my head of my best qualities. And I tried to remember empathy and creativity and all that shit while I worked out. But the second I started working out, all of that flew out the window and I had a really bad time. So I recorded an audio diary on my way home. Today was stupid hard. Oh, I hated it. Every time they'd give me an exercise, they'd be like, cool, do five reps. And then I would do like one and they'd see how fucking tired and shitty I was. And they'd be like, actually, just do, just do two reps. That's fine. So they kept like lowering the bar for me every time. And then when I had to do a plank, they were like, awesome. So last time you had them for 40 seconds, let's just see what you can do. And I could only hold it for 30 seconds. So I'm just feeling like a pretty big failure. (sighs) Jolenta, I'm sorry, but I don't think I hear Jolenta there. I think I hear Lindsay. And she's being Uh, very judgy and very critical. You're right. You are right. You are right. I was having trouble reasoning with the Lindsay in my head. She sort of took over. So I turned to step two for some help getting rid of her. All right. Step two is persist. So obviously, Lindsay was having a hard time with how grueling physical therapy was. And she was pissed because there is basically no winning. Even when something eventually does become doable, my doctor changes the exercise to make it not doable again. But the book says when you're in a no-win situation, you have to redefine winning. So I decided to get creative because that's one of my strengths <laughs> and define winning as just showing up and barely eking through. Ah, yeah, I like that. Thank you. And so to really drill that message into my head, I made myself say good job every time I finished a set. And here I am doing that the next day with my at-home exercises. One, two, three, four, five. Good job. Other side. One, two, three, fuck, 
four, five. Good job. Whew. Oh, Jolenta, this sounds incredibly difficult, but also kind of optimistic, and I'm super proud of you. Is it okay for me to say I'm proud of you? That doesn't sound condescending, yeah. yes, does it? Yes, it is. No, 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 that's okay. It doesn't sound condescending. I get it all the time now. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> <laughs> it happens on the reg, apparently. <laughs> and truly... This silly good job exercise did help keep my Lindsay at bay. I don't know if it was the actual message of good job that was doing the trick or if it was just giving myself literally a small, simple task to focus my mind on. And that kept me busy enough that I didn't sort of have time to default to like the Lindsay way of thinking. But either way, I wasn't beating myself up as much. And fun fact, because I do physical therapy with a mask on. Everyone wears a mask at the office. You can sort of mouth good job to yourself under your mask, and no one has any idea what's going on. Only you and Lindsay do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And what did you do after that, Jolenta? After that, I did step seven. Step seven is rest. Mm -hmm. And so for this, I did what the book recommends, and I tracked my schedule by the hour. Basically, I just went into my calendar and looked at the prior week and was like, what did my breakdown look like? And I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised to see that some of my days totally match up with the daily time breakdowns that the book recommends. You know, my my like 30 minutes of connecting, my completing the cycle, my like good amount of sleep. And those were the days that I went to physical therapy, the days where I had to, like, go into the office and work with the doctor. But my non-PT days are a little more all over the place. They involve more watching TV and, like, random periods of angst and an occasional PT exercise and, like, perhaps a fair amount of bickering with the Lindsay in my head. So Mm. I decided that to get more rest, I would have to use my time more wisely. And I would just try to structure every day around having physical therapy first thing in the morning, not just the days that I go to the office to do it, but every day. Excellent. Very good, Jolenta. And Mm -hmm. what did you do after that? After that, I did step four. Uh, Yes. Step four is to acknowledge that the game is rigged. Mm -hmm. And so this happened towards the very end of our second week. You may remember this, Kristen. We had a last-minute recording session not long ago, and I was having a really bad health day on top of it. My lupus medication was, like, destroying my stomach, and I was really tired because I had been up really early pooping. Fun fact, diarrhea is a theme in both of our storylines this episode. Diarrhea everywhere. (laughs) And like the Lindsay in my head was having a field day sort of berating me because like pre-lupus Jolenta would have had no trouble adding a quick afternoon recording sesh to her books. But current lupus treatment Jolenta is feeling a bit shook by this. So I told Lindsay that I loved her, but she needed to to step aside. And I came up with an achievable goal, and I announced that to my mother. 
Um, I'm gonna take like a power nap. I need to go to sleep. Um, I'm gonna set an alarm for like 30 minutes from now. If I'm not up at four. Because you have a meeting. Yeah, will you come get me? Absolutely. Thank you. Got it. So your goal was to take a nap. Yes. Well, technically, it was to be as rested as possible before work. So then I could put more women's voices out into the world and smash the patriarchy. But Uh, yeah, mostly that included taking a nap just then. Well, I support that patriarchy busting. I'm into it. Thank you. And 30 minutes later, boom, I had achieved my goal. You did it. You took a nap. Yeah. I did it. Glad you got some sleep. Good job. Good job. I needed it. Good. You are way nicer when you come out of naps than I am, Jolenta. (laughs) I try. I try. Once you become a little dependent on them to get by, you have to learn to, like, be be a little less cranky. And especially (laughs) when you know the nap is helping you achieve a goal and, like, you're getting sort of a gold star at the end of it, it's, like, a little easier to wake up. Nice. Well, I'm going to take that tip and I'm going to maybe use that in the future. And Mm -hmm. uh, maybe my loved ones will be less afraid of waking me up from naps. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully. Um, And with that, Kristen, I ended my second week. I went and recorded our little emergency recording and you would have never known I just woke up. No, I did not know at all. We did that bonus episode. We recorded it. We put it in the world. It was beautiful. Okay, Kristen. When we left off, you were putting the finishing touches on your big talk, inserting the spark of Kristen Meinzer into those words. How did your second week go? How did it start off? It started off with me giving the talk. Yay. And uh, full disclosure to you, Jolenta, to everybody else out there, I was kind of stiff. Uh, there were moments where I totally forgot to smile. Uh, There were moments where I realized, oh, no, my feet are frozen to the stage. Like, I was supposed to be, like, using that kind of TED Talk method where I walk back and forth. Yeah, that dynamic speaking. (laughs) Uh, But I will say this. Public speaking is scary. Unless you're, you know, somewhat broken like me and desperately need to stand in front of people and make them laugh. Like, most people hate it. So the fact that you somewhat enjoy it and are like, "Ah, I had fun, I was a little stiff, is still, like, an A-plus in my book. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Jolenta. It was literally the first time in 20 months that I was on a stage. And wow. <laughs> yeah. And so um, thank you. I really, really appreciate your cheerleading. Um, and it turns out that uh, the people who were at the talk actually appreciated it too. So even though I was stiff, they had a million questions for me afterward during the QA. And here I am answering one of those questions about the many mistakes I've made on my path to becoming a better, more comfortable interviewer. I I love this talk of mistakes we've made because I've made a trillion mistakes. I've been podcasting for over a decade. I've gotten too nervous around certain guests and just kind of clammed up. And I forget that rule, which is just like how we should all live our lives. Just be interested in people. Like, I'm so lucky when I get to be in a conversation with anyone what a gift that is that someone's willing to sit down and talk with me. And I should just focus on that. Ah, Kristen, that's like peak Kristen right there. You are fully putting yourself out there. You are being warm and insightful. It is so great. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. 
And what did you do after that, Kristen? Well, at that point, the conference was coming to an end. So I finally gave myself permission to do step one. Ooh, and step one, of course, is complete the stress cycle. You never did that yet. <laughs> no, I did Get not on do it. it. Complete it. Full circle. Yes. So I headed back to our room where Dean was finishing up his last remote meeting of the day, and I did this. I'm back. Hey, welcome back. How was it? It was pretty good. It yeah? was good. Yeah, people came up to me afterward and they thanked me and they took selfies and they said they appreciated me. So. Even though you were feeling a little queasy and your tummy's not so good? <laughs> and my allergies and my drugs, yeah. It was it was really nice. Can oh, that's I, awesome. Can I have a hug? Of now? course, can, here. Give me a hug. There you go. Oh, I'm proud of you, honey. You did a great job, I'm sure. We're very lucky to have you. Can we hug longer? Of course. Ugh, hugging. So nice. I wish I could crawl right in between you and Dean and get, like, smushed in that hug. Oh, my God. We would hug the fuck out of you, Jolenta. We would. There would be no stress. It would all be cycling out somewhere else at that point. It would be cycled away. (laughs) Yes. And after that, Dean and I... Decided to just take care of ourselves some more. We put on our swimsuits. We got ready to head to the pool. We were going to have a good time at this resort for the remainder of our time there. But then it hit me. It was the perfect time to do step five. I mean, of course, I was thinking the same thing because step five is battle the bikini industrial complex. And you're like already in a bathing suit. Yes. So I went to the living room in my swimsuit And I posed under the harsh overhead lights, and I took Mm -mm. some selfies. The goal was to show off the real me, no filter, no shame, no good lighting. But when I looked at the pictures, what really stood out to me wasn't my body. It was my face. In the photos with me looking directly into the overhead light, I looked dewy and fresh-faced. But in the photos with me turning even slightly away from the light, you could see every single pore in my face, every line. And so I decided to post side-by-side photos in both kinds of light on Instagram and Twitter. And within minutes, I received hundreds of likes and comments from people thanking me for showing, uh, quote-unquote, the real me, me without any sort of filtering, me without, you know, a manufactured social media image. Mm -hmm. I saw those pictures. Uh, They were both beautiful, but they did make me think of like, yeah, that's why actors are always obsessed with finding their light because they (laughs) want to be seen and they also like want to just look good. For anyone else who wants to peep at those pictures, we will repost them on the By the Book Instagram feed. It's at By the Book Pod. uh, So check it out. Thank you. So after those photos, we headed to the pool and then the next day, Dean took me to the Frank Lloyd Wright uh, Winter Home and Workshop Tour. And then that night, he took me to Old Town Scottsdale for dinner. And the day after that, we went on a nature walk where we got to see tons of really weird birds and crazy plants. And Jolenta, I kid you not, I have to send you a picture of this. Mm. We even crossed paths with a baby squirrel. Oh, shut up. It's so cute. It's oh like a God. chipmunk, but cuter. It was so cute. I couldn't believe it. It was my uh, first time being up close and personal with a baby squirrel. And I was like, I wish Jolenta were here. She would love they this. They look like they're made out of velvet. Oh, my God. So freaking cute. So freaking cute. Uh, and combined, Jolenta, I like to think all those activities counted toward step seven. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, step seven is rest. And yeah, I would say based on the book's definition of rest, all of those things count. So what did you do next? I squeezed in that very quick emergency taping with you, which you just mentioned in your second week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Dean and I packed up our bags, checked out of our hotel, and headed to the airport. And when we got on the plane, I decided to work on step four. Step four would be acknowledge that the game is rigged. Yes. And for this step, we're supposed to fight against racism and sexism in a specific and actionable way, Mm -hmm. which I think is laudable, especially because, as the book says, the powers that be gaslight and erase marginalized people. Right. But, Jolenta, here's the thing. When I was reading the book, I felt the authors were doing both of those things to me throughout it. I felt they were erasing me, not just by framing mothers of young kids as, quote, the typical American woman, but by name-dropping almost exclusively white people. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure it wasn't all in my head, so I spent the entire five-hour flight back home going back through the book page by page and highlighting every single researcher, fictional character, actor, author, activist, politician, and so on that's mentioned in the book. And when we got back home to Brooklyn— I began to read the list to Dean. Kate Mann, Luke Skywalker, Katniss Everdeen, Danny LaRusso, Cassandra Clare, Robert Zablowski, John Gottman, Douglas Adams, Dirk Gently, Wilson Greatbach, Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren, Mitch McConnell, Jeff Sessions, Bernie Sanders, Snow White, Snow fucking White, Dolores Hart, Betty Friedan, Captain Kirk, two imaginary mice named Ray Fine and Colin Firth, Ingrid Bergman, Joseph Cotton. Oh my gosh, that is a lot. Of white people, I'm, just saying. I'm not even halfway through my list, honey. Wow, that sounds like an exhausting list. And I also have to say I noticed most of the book's multicultural examples were all in the form of, like, fictional characters and cartoons. Oh, yeah, Moana. She's right, in there. where they're like, oh, Moana, <laughs> like, um, a few other princesses who are, like, non-white. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, don't forget guys. about Jasmine. We're like, She's guys, in there, guys, I think. guys. <laughs> there are humans that aren't white, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, exhausting to go through that whole process, but it was also relieving because it confirmed my suspicions. I mm, was like, right. is this all in my head? Is this all in my head? I was like gaslighting myself. Like, am I being paranoid? Am right. I Am I being like, hypersensitive? Like, because yes. they're talking about it or like, yeah. So I'm glad I did that exercise, even though it took up my entire flight back to New York. <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. And I'm glad you did, too. I think you did exactly what the book told you to do. You just did it about this book. You got meta. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> and that sounds like an incredibly fierce way to end your second week. I like to think so, too, if I'm not bragging too much. No, and not bragging. Just true thing. Thank you. Thank you. And now that it's all over, there's only one thing left to do, my friend. Mm-hmm. That would be give our verdicts. But first, we need to take a quick break. So stick with us. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my word. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All righty, Jolenta, it is time to get down to business. It's business time. Did burnout actually work? Would we recommend it? Let's start with you. Let's see. I'd say I sort of liked reading this book. It did a pretty good job pointing out some of the structural inequities that we have in place that make life harder, especially harder for people who aren't like cis straight white men. But like you mentioned earlier, Kristen, it's very centered on the cis straight female experience and it's it's predominantly white. And most of the sort of multicultural non-white uh, examples in the book were fiction or cartoons, which was a bit odd considering how many real white people they mention in the Mm. book um i also didn't love the sort of like fake case study vehicle they use they have these like two sort of made up women in the book and they're like they're sort of amalgamations of like some a lot of common burnout issues and i ended up skimming basically all of those chunks Um, And then having to reread them when they're referenced in the regular text. Um, But overall, this book helped get some sort of negative self-talk spirals I was in. It helped get those in check. And again, I am sorry to the Lindsays, but like personifying uh, whatever sort of nagging voices in your head always helps. Um, I was also taught to do this in acting class. Like oh. when the biz gets you down, they would be <laughs> like, personify that voice and then tell her to chill. So like it works. Um, it got me out of a loop of frustration that I'd been in uh, with physical therapy too because, you know, I started saying good job to myself. So overall, I'd say it's worth checking out if you feel sort of like personally stuck and drained at the same time. But it it wasn't what I hoped it would be. I think because there's so much excitement around the book, I thought it would have a lot more like concrete answers. And even for how much it said it would be about parenting, I didn't see that much stuff for parents in there. So I was a bit let down but ultimately like I can't deny it helped me during the two weeks so I give it a a solid sort of recommend (laughs) how about you Kristen what is your verdict on burnout well as I already mentioned I felt the book had some blind spots particularly in terms of whiteness and in terms of what they consider a typical American woman Uh, Also, what they're pointing out in the book about structural inequalities being the real source of stress for women, all of these things are really validating. I actually think most women know these things already. And so maybe men would benefit more from learning these things, even though this book is mostly targeted at women and mothers in particular and white mothers. I think men maybe should read this instead of women. Um, I did kind of want to make Brad read it. (laughs) Now that you mention it. Yeah. That being said, I suppose the bigger question is, did the book work for me personally, for me, Kristen Meinzer? And I think the answer is 
sort of. Uh, It certainly made me come to terms with the fact that I'm definitely more stressed out than I give myself credit for. I tell myself all the time that I'm on top of things, but apparently, like, especially on this trip to Arizona, my body was, yeah, my body was like, you are under so much stress. I was stressed. I was in denial about my stress. And I think the book helped me, you know, to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. It gave me some things that helped me complete the stress cycle. Like, you know, it reminded me good long hugs they really can do a lot to make us feel better. A little bit of time Mm -hmm. in nature can do a lot to make us feel better. That being said, the book didn't really offer any practical advice for alleviating the day-to-day causes of stress. Not just for me, but also not for the people who are used as those examples in the book that you talk about, Jolanta, those amalgamation people. For example, at one point, uh, the amalgamation character, Julie, she gets sick from overworking herself, and her husband— For only one week during spring break, he takes on full-time parenting duties, and he admits to her, wow, that was really hard. And that scenario is given to us, but there's no solutions like, here's how to get your husband to do this all the time, not just for this one week a year. There's no suggestions that the two create a more equitable system of parenting. Here's how to make it actually feel equitable between the two of you. Like, yes. I was looking, I felt like I was like missing all the concrete stuff because I would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what? Yeah. And like they get me all riled up and then I wouldn't know where to go. Yeah. So it's like the book is full of a lot of things for your own psychological coping, like, oh, create a Lindsay in your head, you know, like you did, Jolenta, but not a lot of things like blueprints for what to do after you create Lindsay. And I think that would be really, really helpful. So I guess- TLDR, my verdict is that this book may be a great first step for helping people to recognize the bigger structural inequalities that lead women to be stressed out. And it also offers some band-aids for, you know, your own, like, psychological, like, spinning out. But if it had more practical advice, I would give it a much better score than what my current verdict is, which is, it's okay. Fun fact. Kristen referenced TLDR because that's how they end every chapter in their book with a little bulleted TLDR list. Yep. Too long. Didn't read. And whether you read it, all of you out there, mm, that's up to you. We're not saying you have to or you don't have to. And that's it for this episode of By the Book. Huge thanks, as always, to our superstar production team at Stitcher. Our producers, Brandon Nix, Corinne Wallace, and Daisy Rosario. Our engineer, Andy Christens. Thanks also to Nate Wyda, who composed our theme song, and to the Rizzos, who perform it. Stay in touch with us. Have you read Burnout? Share your thoughts with us. We want to hear what you have to say. Hit us up on voicemail at 30249books. That's 302-492-6657. Or you can tweet at us at Jalenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, or at ByTheBookPod. While you're there, be sure to send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get the show. It helps other people find the show, and it just fills our burned-out hearts with love. Until next time, I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.
that sounds like a very nice, beautiful, restorative way to end your beak. I mean, week. Ah! <laughs> Let me give you a straight reading of that line, Brandon, because that was a shitty-ass joke. I loved it. Stitcher. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.